Hello and welcome to the Mindset Coach Podcast, the show where coaches and coaches-to-be tune in to learn how to integrate mindset coaching tools and neuroscience-based techniques into their practice and grow and scale a coaching business they love. Each week, I'll be sharing easy-to-implement tips, case studies, and business strategies that you can use right away to transform your own mindset and the mindset of those you coach. I'm your host, Lara Young, founder of the Mindset Coach Academy, author of 52 Adventures to Change Your Life, award-winning business owner, coach, and coach trainer. Tune into this podcast each Friday, free on all the podcasting apps, and click to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And remember, mindset is everything. Hello, and I'm absolutely overjoyed to welcome my guest today, Leslie Thomas. Leslie is an accredited mindset and money breakthrough business coach, sacred money archetype practitioner, and host of the podcast, Let's Talk Money and More. As the founder of the Money Confidence Academy, Leslie works with female service business owners who undercharge, over-deliver, and want to improve their relationship with money. Awesome. So welcome, Leslie. Hi there, Lara. Thank you very much for having me on the podcast. I'm so excited. I'm excited too, because money is something that is of so much interest to so many people, me included. And I'm really keen to dive in and explore your take on our relationship with money and how that can be improved. But before we dive into that, and I know everyone listening will be really keen to hear, I'd love to know, how did you get into coaching? How did you make the move from what you were doing previously into the coaching arena? Okay. So I have always informally coached mm-hmm. and mentored throughout my career. The first 20 years of my career was spent in corporate world where I was you know, a manager of a team. So I was expected to, to coach that team. Um, I was trained in how to coach a team and how to mentor as well as part of a corporate mentoring team. So that was always part of what I did, but informally. informally. I then joined my husband um, in the business that he'd set up 12 years ago and and I had people that would come to me asking you know, how I made the transition from corporate into mm-hmm. running my own business and how to go about growing a business. Again, yes. I did that informally. Um, two, just over two years ago, um, I decided I wanted to retrain as a business coach because I absolutely loved that informal element of what I did. Yes. At that point in time, I was I wanted to be a confidence coach for business oh. women hmm. because I had a really strong ability to help people improve their confidence. And the more I looked into why we're confident, why we're not confident, how to go about getting more confident, I started to see a real link between our relationship with money and our sense of confidence. So I decided to specialize in that as a coach. So my my specialism today is helping female entrepreneurs improve their relationship with money, which actually starts with improving their relationship with themselves. Yeah, brilliant. And so let's talk about that. Let's talk about how we actually improve our relationship with ourselves. And then the knock-on effect that has in relation to our relationship with money. 
So what what are, what are the sorts of things that that you find your clients most need to work on or that our listeners can be working on Leslie? When my clients come to me, they they talk about, you know, I've got money blocks. I can't seem to make more money. I don't like talking about, you know, conversations about money. I've been brought up thinking, you know, it's rude to talk about money. It's something that we don't do. When actually, when we sit down and have the conversation, what is affecting their ability to grow their business, the symptoms of their relationship with themselves and with money are things like, not being visible enough in their Mm. business, not putting effective boundaries in place, not feeling confident in having those discussions around pricing, playing small in their marketing for trying to shy away from being seen. Mm. All of those things are actually preventing them from growing their business in the way that they want to. So the first thing that, that I do with my clients is to get them to understand what counter effect their relationship with money, but actually their lack of confidence in themselves is having on their ability to make money. Because not being visible, for example, you know, is a really good sign that you're suffering from um, comparatonitis, imposter syndrome, just lacking in confidence in seeing yourself on camera and being able to express yourself effectively on camera. And as we know, if we're not visible in our business, then would-be clients are not seeing us and we are gifting that to our nearest competitors. So we really need to peel back what we are not doing that we should be doing in our business and then to understand if we're not doing it, why are we not doing it? And going back to the core root of why in the first place we felt we shouldn't and couldn't be doing those things, which we then take through with us from childhood into adulthood and into our business. So I first of all help my clients. The very first thing I do with them is take them through um, a sacred money archetypes assessment. Our money archetypes are like our board directors. We're the chairperson of the board. Our archetypes are our board directors. The better we understand our board directors, their strengths, their their characteristics, their, 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 their weaknesses, the better we can then decide which board member, which archetype are we going to lean into when we need to make a particular decision around money. And our money archetypes really do help us to identify really what is going on for us around our relationship with money, but then reflect that back into, but how is that showing up for me? How am I absorbing the the money archetypes and how am I reflecting that back out into how I want to be seen and show up in the world and in my relationship with myself and with others? And I think it, it, it really does take a sense of really understanding and being honest with yourself and not just seeing something as, oh, it's a money block. Actually, no, it's not a money block. It's you have made a decision to act in a particular way. And that decision is going to be a limiting decision based on a set of limiting beliefs. Because I'm really, really... You know, through the work that I did with you, 
when we were going through the, the training together, you know, I'm a really big advocate of people understanding that it's not the limiting beliefs that we need to be concerned about because we can feel the fear mm. and do it anyway. But when we take the limiting decision, no, I'm never going to go live on Instagram. No, I'm never, ever going to have a conversation with a client when they're late making a payment. I will just wait for it to come in when it eventually does. When you make those limiting decisions, that is when they have a significant knock-on effect, not only on your bottom line, but also on the confidence that you have in yourself. You are saying to yourself, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough to go live. I'm not good enough to confront a client when they're consistently late paying me. Mm. It's interesting because there's so much in what you've just said and and what you're referring to there around limiting decisions, which are, you know, I can't, I won't, I don't. Those things that are made in the imprint phase or before that we really work with um, using timeline therapy really do when we work with that, when we identify them and we unlock them, we then can release off all of those limiting beliefs. As you say, what we've got is almost like it's three parts of the puzzle from what I'm hearing. And one is our relationship with ourselves, so our own self-confidence, self-esteem, self-efficacy and belief in our capability. Our The result of that being then how we show up or we don't show up and the actions or reactions that we have. And then the output of that being our financial well-being or what's happening with our money. And so it seems like there's this throughput of, you know, it starts with the relationship of self, then there are all these indicators and things that we do or don't do, and then that then impacts our financial abundance. So where do we, you know, you mentioned uh, that you do the diagnostic, which is the sacred money archetypes, and, you know, there are a variety of those and they all impact on how we behave and, and interact with you know, with money and in terms of visibility, et cetera, where do we start or where do you start when you meet with a client to talk about their relationship with themselves, to talk about the ways in which they're holding themselves back from the success that they desire? Where do you where do you begin? So you, you do sacred money archetypes and then what happens? Yeah. What's next? And then I and then I will take them through you know, a series of questions. So one thing being the Mindset Dimensions Report, mm-hmm. which you yes. found off. So that, yes. that is one tool. But also going into you know, a really detailed analysis of what's going on for them, how long it's been going on, how it's impacting them, and where, to begin with, they think it has started. Yes. So it, it, it's straight from the voice of the client. It's straight from the, the mindset of the client and then taking them through you know, a series of very, very practical exercises. And some of those exercises can bring up you know, a huge series of emotions mm. because they're going back talking about things that their, their dad you know, said to them, mm. things that happen to them as a result of their parents' relationship with money, how they felt possibly embarrassed when they didn't have what their what their friends had at school. And there's a whole series of things that come up that start to be key identifiers of what that impact has had on them and their sense of self-value, yes. self-worth, how they are showing up. 
And they start to realize that their relationship with money is actually the output of everything else that has been going on. Their relationship with money is just the symptom. It's Mm -hmm. not the cause. But by going through a series of really practical but detailed exercises, such as getting them to visualize being money. Mm -hmm. So as money, asking them a series of questions, which actually helps them to really anchor, oh, this is what I think about money. This is how I feel about money. This is what comes up for me when you when you get me to confront having to sit in a room and be with money. And all those things lead them into having those moments of clarity where they really start to see what is reflected back at them in the mirror is the reason why they are not making the money that they need to, they want to be making in their business. And for them, and then with, with timeline therapy, mm. it really does help to take them right back to mm. things they won't remember mm. very likely. And to be able to identify they have carried that through with them throughout their adulthood. Mm. So whatever happened, you know, they've made the they have made an agreement with somebody during their childhood that may have served them at that point in time. That limiting belief may have served them at that point in time, Mm -hmm. but they have carried it through with them into adulthood, into their business when it's no longer serving them. And when they start to see that correlation, one client recently talked about um, her Real uncomfortableness with being visible Mm. goes back to an incident when she was a really young girl um, and a neighbour told her off because she had a new dress. And as little girls do, she was swishing a dress around. Look at me in my new dress. And the neighbour told her off for showing off. Mm. You You shouldn't be showing off. And she'd forgotten completely about that incident. But the impact it had on her meant that she as an adult, now in her 40s, found it really, really difficult to show up visibly in her business. That lady is dead. But that lady on the other side of the grave is still, was still able to control how she as an adult was showing up. And And then, yeah. It's interesting. It's that real significant emotional event that someone has in their life. Like as a young child, being so delighted and excited to have a new dress and having that hurt happen, having that wound happen at that age, what then happens, of course, is, you know, the unconscious mind takes that on board and it thinks, well, we're not doing that again. And it makes the, it says, because if I do that, then someone like that that neighbour is going to put me down, is going to tell me off, and I'm going to experience all of these incredibly negative emotions of shame and guilt and fear and hurt and all of those things in which were, would have otherwise been a very happy time. You know, it was a really happy time. And so 
it doesn't make sense, I guess, at the logical level at that time, but it's not logical. We're emotional beings. We've got that response. And then when we start to look back and see the root cause, I'm sure that your client then was able to release that and to recognise that it didn't come from, from her. It came from an experience that was so deeply enmeshed emotionally in her unconscious mind, which is, of course, where emotions reside, that she carried and her and her unconscious mind was, you know, in, in all good faith, it was trying to protect her from that kind of hurt mm-hmm. again. Um, yeah. And so it is fascinating how we have an inbuilt protection mechanism within our unconscious mind that is designed to keep us safe and secure. I mean, the first, the first directive of the unconscious mind is to, is to do just that, keep us safe, protect us from harm, perceived or otherwise. And so unless we release that and heal those wounds that happen very early on, as you say, you can be 40 and still be carrying something that you may not even remember from your childhood that then shows up in your relationship with money. So incredibly powerful work. And what, I mean, it's very, very interesting, isn't it, how we have this relationship, this dynamic with money. Um, And do you think it it is characterised in a very similar way in the way we'd have a relationship with a person, like a courtship or a love affair. I mean, how would you characterise the typical relationship with money? And that, that, that's exactly it. And that's what I try to, to get my clients to see right from the start of working together, to have that positive relationship with money, to see it as something that is a positive driving force in their lives, but it is not the money that they should be going after it's what the money enables them to do. And I do a money, I do a money mindset audit with my clients every month. And it's a series of 10 questions that they they answer when we when we first start working together, that Mm. acts as the benchmark essentially. And one of those questions is if you walked into a room and money was there, what would you do? Mm. And you know, would you walk up to it and give it a big hug? Would you shyly walk up to it and shake its hand? Would you skirt around the outside of the room and hopefully money you know, wouldn't catch your eye and it wouldn't know you were there? Because when you are able to see money as a help, as support, as something that takes you from where you are to where you want to go and creates all those happy healthy memories creates those options that Mm. sense of freedom and you get that kind of excited feeling in the pit of your stomach the art of the possible when you see money in that way rather than as very often shows up you know not checking your bank account on a regular basis, shoving those brown envelopes, you know, in a drawer, hoping somehow they'll pay themselves. Mm -hmm. When you start to actually be able to see money as something that is is good, Mm. is friendly, is supportive, is one of your closest friends, then you start to relax into it and you start to realise that you can collaborate together in this thing called life because when you see it as a collaborative partner as somebody to have a shared experience with that is when that those scary elements that a lot of people 
do associate with money or for some people will bury their head in the sand and totally want to ignore it's there when you actually see it as a key collaborator a partner in life where you can work together towards your end goals then all of a sudden that feeling those emotions are supportive ones not ones that you want to shy away from Want to learn more about how you can become a certified mindset coach? Head on over to our website, www.mindsetcoachacademy.com forward slash coach certification, and you'll find all the information that you need along with a button to book a call with me to talk about how you can become the best coach you can be. I love that point about, you know, we don't, money's not the goal. The goal is what money can bring, that energetic exchange of I'm going to pay you for an experience or for my dream home or my holiday or whatever it might be. And the thing is that it's not just about us thinking about money in that way. It's also about us thinking that our clients will think about money in that way too when they hire us. Because when our clients hire us, when they pay us, they are paying for an experience of their choosing. And and what we find often happens is that people will underprice or they'll want to throw in all the bonuses in the world or they'll want to um, second-guess themselves when it comes to that exchange, when it comes to the money that they're charging, the investment for that experience. So, you know, it really does help us, I think, to think about it as, the conduit between what some where someone is and what someone desires and actually being able to have that and to have that experience. Do you find that a lot of your clients are in that position where they, for whatever reason, are undercharging, underpricing their services? Um, you know, how, how often does that show up, Leslie? Absolutely. You know, on a, on a regular, regular basis. Mm-hmm. And it, it, they they know they are doing it. And just as they are embarrassed having that pricing conversation with their clients, they're actually embarrassed saying, you know, I know that I'm not charging my worth. I know I'm undervaluing what I do. I just don't know how to get out of this cycle. And it's once you start to realize the, if you keep reinforcing a cycle, then that cycle will just keep reinforcing itself and it's only when you're really really honest and you know what I say to clients is remove the spotlight from being on you about the pricing Mm -hmm. take that spotlight put it on your client in terms of the transformation the results they're going to enjoy because they are working with you the Mm -hmm. pricing conversation should be really comfortable Because what you are talking about is how that client is going to feel. They walk into the room before they meet you with a whole set of things that they're not comfortable with. The pain points they come to see you to help relieve. When you can talk to them about how they're going to feel after they've worked with you and during that process and how you're going to get them to that end point, Mm -hmm. the pricing conversation should be, as my very first coach said to me, as simple as saying, pass the salt. Mm -hmm. No emotion, just Mm -hmm. literally, this is what I'm going to do for you. And the price is X. And not getting uptight about it. Exactly. Absolutely. And it's really 
One of the things that that really interests me is that then we come back from, we take that step back to the relationship with ourselves because it's not just about our relationship with our money, but it's about having the confidence to charge, having the self-belief that what we offer is valuable, that it has value for our value for our clients, that we can credibly, reliably, and consistently help our clients to achieve an outcome, and that that outcome is worth the investment and more than that they're, they're, they're making with us. And you know, it's really interesting because what fascinates me as well about human behaviour is that you'll often see people who don't really have the skills and experience, who perhaps don't have the credibility, who don't have the the chops, who don't have the ability to help their clients go from A to B, but they have got no qualms about charging for it, okay? They've got no qualms about, you know, charging high prices and making big grand promises about what they can do for their clients. They've got nothing to back it up. And the difference, I believe, with people who don't do that but have all the skills and people who do is the confidence in themselves is that self-belief right um and there's a big difference between being overconfident (laughs) and actually having the chops to do something um but yeah and then I think what then happens is people start to as you mentioned very early on in the piece people start to compare themselves with those people who are out in the marketplace they may even perceive them to be their nearest competitor when in reality, the value of what they're delivering is nowhere near, the value of what their competitors are delivering is actually nowhere near the value of what they can deliver. And so, you know, the work, as you said, really comes back to working with your clients on how are they showing up? You know, what do they believe about themselves? What limiting decisions have they got? Um, you know, are their behaviours in alignment with what they're actually wanting to achieve? And another thing that is vitally important here too uh, is their values yeah. and va- yeah. eliciting values around money, the context of money in our lives. So talk to us a little bit about the work that you do with how you integrate values work into your into your practice, Leslie. It's massively important because actually the values piece really does provide that evidence of the pecking order of mm-hmm. where a client actually sees money being placed you know, in their business. And the number of clients that feel, I can't put money as my top value or my second, third, fourth, fifth. Mm-hmm. I might put it at the very bottom or I might not put it there at all because it's not nice to say that, you know, I value money. You know, I put money as my number one value in business because that is why I am in business. I'm in business to make money. I'm in business because I want to have that sense of freedom so I can do all the other things I want to do with my friends, my family, et cetera, et cetera. But when you feel as though money is just an afterthought, Mm -hmm. actually, how successful a business can you have? Mm -hmm. How successful a business do you have? if you are not valuing where money sits in that scale. And to identify 
for yourself to actually go through that list. And I go through the exercise that you taught us, you know, when we were working together of actually creating your top 10 values mm-hmm. and then actually going through what genuinely is your top one, your top two. What can you do? What can you do without what you can't do without? What's really important to you? What creates that sense of if I have that, yes, I can live without that. Mm-hmm. And if money isn't in that, you know, in that those top few, then probably I can say without even looking at a client's balance sheet, that will be a business that is not doing as well as it could be doing. Yeah, because absolutely. if we're not looking after our money, then our money is not going to look after us. It's as plain as simple as that. Yeah, 100%. And I think it's really interesting because time and again, I've seen, you know, with my clients and with my students that because we're in what what I would term, I guess, a helping profession, um, you know, a lot of people don't have the value of money in their top values. And then, as you say, it correlates to are you are you profitable as a business? And we can also couch money in different terms, financial security, abundance, for example, financial freedom. And so the other important thing that we've got to do, of course, and I encourage everyone to do this, is to think about, well, what does, however you describe that to yourself, what does that actually mean for you? Because it means different things to different people. The word success means different things to different people. And so that's where we, as mindset coaches, Leslie, get really into the detail of how someone experiences that. What does it actually really mean at the heart of it? And then how does that drive behaviour? Because the other thing is that people can say money is important and yet their behaviours will indicate otherwise. Because if you then say to your clients, when was the last time you took checked your bank account? And they say, well, I don't know, <laughs> no idea what's in there. Then that shows us that actually their values and their behaviour are incongruent, they're out of alignment. Um, and so, again, there's a place to start. So this is, this is brilliant because we work on relationship with ourselves, which then improves, you know, all of those things that can drive success in a business, like being visible, et cetera, and then that leads to that financial abundance. What do you think is the one, if you had to pick one thing that perhaps holds people back the most in terms of their money mindset? the recurring theme that you see time and time again, what would that be, Leslie? Lack of belief in themselves, Mm. lack of value in themselves, not believing that they are good enough or not believing that they can have what other people have. And I think think it is absolutely 100% down to a lack of self-worth. And a lack of self-worth, you know, obviously is so closely correlated to confidence. You know, mm. It goes back to exactly what you said, that if you have got confidence and real innate confidence in yourself mm. and really, really strong sense of self, mm. even when you haven't got those skills, you will be out there mm. having that confidence to claim mm. that you do standing on stages with people whose probably ability is much higher than yours. Mm. But you feel you command the right to be able to charge fees that somebody with less confidence Mm. but more ability does not feel that they can charge. You know, I genuinely believe 
the greatest gift we can give our children is confidence. Yes. Ensuring that confidence is not overinflated. Mm-hmm. But if you have confidence, you will ask the right questions. You will associate with the right people. You will make better decisions. Mm-hmm. You will put yourself in the best places to be seen in order to get promoted. You will do all the things that are needed to be living your best life. Whereas when you haven't got that confidence, you will be at the back of the room. You will avoid meeting those people. You will make excuses not to show up. And I think confidence and creating that level of confidence is such an underrated skill. It is that skill that is probably needed far more than maths and um, writing ability, et cetera, et cetera. Because those things you can learn. Mm. It's very, very difficult to learn to be confident until you have the self-value mm. to go out and do the things you need to do to work on that self-confidence. Yeah, brilliant. And, and the other beautiful thing, of course, is that when we are confident, we trust ourselves more. And the more we trust ourselves, the more risks we take. And the more risks we take, the more we do, the better we become, and then the more confident we get. And it's beautiful, reflexive loop. Exactly. Um, so, so powerful. You know, when we talk about confidence as an innate skill, as an inherent characteristic, it is so powerful and it is something that, as you say, we need to engender in children from a very young age and to be able to trust themselves and have that voice and, and really believe in themselves. So I know that you have a lot of exercises that you do with your clients. Um, and is there one in particular that is something quick that you could share that people can do with themselves, um, people who are listening now, that, that quick exercise that they can do? that would perhaps elevate their confidence or that would just highlight to them some key things to work on with their money mindset? Absolutely. Well, one one beautiful thing to do is take a notebook around with you for 24 hours Mm. and every time a negative thought comes into your head, write it down, but write it down in the positive. So first of all, you're reaffirming whatever that negative thought is, write it in the positive. Mm -hmm. What that will do is create that real sense of, evidence oh my god do I really think this negatively this often Mm. during my during my day but it'll also create that knowledge of when am I thinking those negative thoughts why am I thinking those negative thoughts and what can I start to do to stop myself from automatically assuming the worst is going to happen yeah. Um, and that really does, you know, help uncover what is going on for a client. Um, I'll ask clients to sit and write three to six limiting beliefs that they have around money and then to write three to six more. And the reason why I ask them to do that three to six more is because the, we can get the surface ones really, really easily, but to spend some time digging a lot deeper then to write those in the positive and for those to become their personal money affirmations. Because mm-hmm. I can give, you know, tens of hundreds of money affirmations to clients, but if they don't resonate with them, then they're not going to be important to them. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be relevant to them. And another really nice exercise is to set a timer for eight minutes and to write down 
everything that you have achieved in your life in terms of your qualifications, the awards you have won, the articles you have written, the testimonials you've received, the uh, social proof you've been given. Because as women in particular, we discount our value. We could become nose blind, a little bit like having a dog in the house. The dog comes in, you know, after the, a rainy walk, we don't really notice the smell of the dog because we become nose blind. It's exactly the same when it comes to our value. We discount everything that we have done because we put it in a box. And we forget about it. Mm. So that piece of social proof we had from a, a client last year or an article that we wrote that got published online, all those things just sit and remember what you've done, what has got you to the point that you are at and how you can utilize that as the catalyst to drive you forward. So there's so many little yes. things that you can do to really help understand how it's that internal conversation in your head that is going to be the key difference between you having confidence and feeling successful or continually pulling yourself down and actually left wondering what if that regret question yeah brilliant and what a great and what a great way to end today's today's discussion Leslie thank you so much um we will put Leslie's contact details uh, at the bottom of this episode so you can get in touch with her um remember that Leslie also has the let's talk money and more podcast uh which is available i think you have weekly episodes leslie yeah, is that right every yeah. Tuesday. Yeah. yeah every tuesday so um head on over and tune into that we will again put the link uh beneath this episode and i'm sure we'll have further discussions with leslie because money mindset talking about money is so important for us to to do uh and to change the way that we have a relationship with money so that we can achieve the financial abundance, financial security, whatever we want to call it, that we desire in our lives. So thanks so much for being here, Leslie. It's been an absolute Thank pleasure. Thank you very much, Lara. See you soon. Welcome to 52 Adventures to Change Your Life. Now, this week, the activity is to practice gratitude each morning. Now, one of the key elements in my morning ritual is a gratitude practice. When I wake up, I write down five things that I'm thankful for in my life. And in giving thanks, I believe that we draw more things to be thankful for into our lives. Simply by paying attention to all the good that we experience, we send out a vibration that brings us even more to be grateful for. So your challenge this week is to write down five things that you're grateful for each day. And remember that you can make a note of these in your own journal or you can purchase 52 Adventures to Change Your Life on Amazon and it provides all the journal prompts for you and really gives you a record of everything that you've achieved as you've gone through the entire 52 Adventures with us. Have a great week. Bye for now. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of the Mindset Coach Podcast. Remember to join us next week for another episode and subscribe on iTunes. Leave us a review if you've loved it. Share it with your friends. And I really look forward to learning how you're implementing the tools and techniques that you're learning here. Mindset is everything.